this morning we are going to finish on our uh, topic for this month about talking about knowing about God, knowing God. And if you follow the if you follow the thread of thinking for this whole month, we've been talking about knowing God the Father. And then last week, as and David brought a great teaching as well about knowing uh, the Son and the difference between guilt and shame and how He removes both of those things. Well, today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, about being filled with the Spirit of God. But one of the things I want to, I want to make sure is, is I want you to understand that I'm here to somewhat demystify the whole thing of the Holy Spirit. I want to kind of de-weird it to some degree. If any of you have ever grown up in a charismatic church like me, or I to call it charismaniac, um, I used to grow up in a charismaniac church, and, and sometimes it, it, and it, was, it, it was the best church, my dad's church, it was a great church, but sometimes you come across people who were quote-unquote charismatic, but I call them quote-unquote weird, Right? And, um, and so sometimes the Holy Spirit can be that way. It's not because we're trying to tell God what he can or cannot do. God can manifest whichever way he wants. But sometimes I think that people will stay away from the Holy Spirit stuff because uh, it seems a little awkward, seems a little weird, and we, te- we don't want weird things to manifest in us or through us. But so what I want to do is I want to, I want to kind of trace, I want to trace a thread of baptisms that are in the Bible. There are three different baptisms that you can find in the Bible that I believe that every Christian should go through. They should experience themselves. And they're very, very simple. And the first one we're going to look at is the baptism into the body of Christ. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, it says, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one, what does that say? Body, right? Whenever it talks about the body in the New Testament, it's basically talking about Christ. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. In fact, the word Christian means little Christ. So we are the collection of, of imitations. We're the collection of the ones who are now Christ to the world. So Christ died for his body. If you say you can't stand the church and you hate the body, you're basically saying you hate Christ. He is the head. We are the body. The whole thing is Christ. And we are baptized into the body of Christ. Now, what I want you to know is, this is not about, uh, uh, about joining a church. It's not about uh, checking off a box on a list and saying, okay, so I, I've, I've said the sinner's prayer, and I've, I've, I've filled out the little card, and I've checked. I'm giving my life to Christ today, and now I'm a member. I've gone through the class, and I'm tithing, and all these things are wonderful. Remember tithing, okay? And all these things are wonderful, but that doesn't make you a Christian just because you do these things. What, what, what baptizes you into the church is that you're a part of community, that you're a part of relationship. Relationship is what undergirds and founds the whole idea and factor of being baptized into the body of Christ. Now, here's another scripture that, that is um, a good explanation of it. In Galatians 3, 26, 27, it says, you're all sons of God through, you're all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Again, he's talking about being baptized into Christ, into the body of Christ, into into the community. What is the meaning of baptism then? Baptism basically comes from a Greek word, which is baptizo, and it means total immersion. It doesn't mean halfway, partway, but it means total immersion. It's a little bit like a Princess Bride when it says, is he dead? No, he is only mostly dead, right? 
is he a Christian? No, he's just mostly a Christian. There isn't any mostly Christians here. You're either a Christian or you're not. You're baptized into the body. The best way I can describe it is I think of it as uh, like a cup and water, right? So when you get saved, you receive the Spirit. You may not have the baptism of the Spirit, but you have the Spirit. Everyone receives the Spirit. They receive a deposit of the Spirit. And so it's a bit like taking some water and putting it in a cup. And when you give your life to Christ and you say, I am now committing myself to you, Christ, you receive the Spirit into your life. You are now full, uh, you're, you're, you're you're now receiving the Spirit. You're now fully immersed into the body of Christ. That means you're brought in through salvation into the body of Christ. But the thing is with this cup is that this cup might contain or have the, the, the Spirit, but the cup is not actually baptized in water. You see what I'm saying? If I take this cup and I take it up to uh, someone's swimming pool and I take that cup and I drop it into the swimming pool and the cup goes all the way down to the bottom, is the cup in the water or is the water in the cup? You wouldn't say that the water is in the cup. You'd say the cup is in the water. That's essentially what baptism means. It's not that it's just come into you, but that you are now fully immersed in it. Does that make sense? So immersion is very, very important. It's, under, it's important to understand that because I don't believe you can, you can receive the fullness of God if you're not immersed into the body of Christ. Why? Because I believe that God shows himself and communicates to us through three different ways. Number one is through the Word. That's the Bible, the canon of Scripture. Number two is through the Holy Spirit. He can actually talk to you directly. But number three is actually through each other. It's through the body of Christ. Paul talked about it. We talked about it last month and how he said, how can you say that you're a hand and you don't need the foot and the foot doesn't need the, 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 the leg? And the the leg doesn't need the eyes, and the eyes don't need the mouth and nose. He said, everything, everybody needs everybody, everyone in the body of Christ. We all need each other, and so that's how the body of Christ uh, uh, functions. I hope you follow me easily on that one. Okay, let's go to number two. Number two is baptism of water. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, Whoever believes and is, what does it say? Baptized, that's talking about water. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So 27 times in the Bible, it uses the word repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. 27 times. This is one of the times when Jesus is even saying it. He says, once you believe, once you repent. And, and, and by the way, the word repent basically means just change your mind. It doesn't mean, oh, feel really sorry and feel really bad about what, you, what you've done. I get it. If that's what you've felt bad about, that's fine. But it's not about that you feel bad about something, it's, but it's that you change your mind. You turn 180 and go in a different direction, not your way, but God's way. And once you repent and you're baptized, then you are saved. Yeah, but what about those that are not baptized? Are they not saved? Well, if I peel that scripture apart there, you can see it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It doesn't say, but whoever does not believe and is baptized will be condemned. Hello? So it's not about baptism, because if it's about baptism that you get salvation, then you have to do something in order to get your salvation. No, no, no. no. The thing is about the Christian faith is that you have to do nothing but turn from your own ways. That's it. There is no effort, there is no work that you can do to say, look what I did to get salvation. 
There's nothing that you can do to get salvation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even the thief on the cross, when he was on the cross, he said to Jesus, he said, remember me this day when you come into your kingdom. And he told him, he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. He said, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting you into the body of Christ. I'm accepting you into the kingdom. Guess what? He wasn't baptized. So it's possible to have salvation without baptism. But the one thing you have to understand is this. You're not on a cross. And if God has instructed us to be baptized, then it's something that I think that we should do. Why? Well, I basically see it like this. The point of baptism is that it's a public declaration of your love and your faith for Jesus Christ. You see, when you give your life to Christ, it's, 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 it's somewhat of an intimate and a private moment. It's a, that's where your personal faith exists, right? And when people say, oh no, my, my faith is private to me, that, that's true and it's good once you give your life to Christ, but it then has to become public. I mean, do you remember when you first, you first maybe started dating or, or something, you, st you started falling in love with someone and you're, you're there to try and tell them that you really like them, remember that? And you're like, your body starts getting all tingly and googly and stuff, right? And like, and I remember when I, I first fell in love with Crystal and I'm like, how do I tell her? How do I say this? And I'm like, well, you know, so uh, I kind of really like you and maybe we could, uh, and stuff happens to your body that you're not even trying to do, right? You just start doing weird stuff with your body and you can feel it in your face. My face is numb. I love you, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know why it came out that way. That's not something that you want to broadcast live on Facebook, right? You don't want to do that. You don't want to tell everybody that way. It's just a deep affectionate love. But then there's a point where what you do is you take your in-laws' money and then you spend it all to put on a public display of your love, right? You have a wedding and you get the best clothes and you invite your friends and you invite the family that you don't want to come and they all come together anyway and then you stand up and you do a public vows and I take this lady, she is awesome, forever and ever, amen. And then you take this little ring and you put it on each other's fingers. Why would you do that? Because this is, this is, this is my way of saying, you can't have this ladies, right? That's what that does. It's a it's a public dis display of, of, of that my wife has marked her territory and she's like, stay away from that, ladies, right? This is, this is a public display of our affection. That's what baptism is. It's not, baptism is not something you need for eternity, but baptism is something that we need here on earth, right here, right now. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, it says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But it's an interesting thing, but whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's interesting. I don't actually have to have baptism in order to get salvation. But now you're saying, if I disown Christ, if I decide I don't want to go public and I don't want to really take it to the next step, then are you really showing your love? This is why when you go public with your love, when you go public with your testimony, you're really showing your commitment to this person. This is how much I went public, right? So when I got baptized, I was about 12 or 13 years old or something, and I decided to wear all white. I don't know why. I just figured, you know, I'm going to be really spiritual or something. So I wore, I had these white, what you call, you call them pants, right? We call them trousers, and I had these white trousers on, and I made a really bad mistake by wearing red underwear. 
And so I got baptized, and I came up, right? And I'm just thinking, this is a great spiritual moment, right? And I'll come out, and everyone's like, <laughs> I'm like, what are they laughing at? I just had this deeply spiritual moment of my great, my great display of my faith. And you're like, heck yeah, that was a display of faith right there. Red underwear was just glowing through my pants. Okay, number three. Number three is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, it says this. After his suffering, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus, he went to the cross and he rose from the dead. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave, that's to the disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. We just talked about that, being baptized in water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the, what does it say? Holy Spirit. So this is a different baptism now. This is the third baptism that a Christian is expected to go through. So why then would we need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit? I mean, why? What, what, what is the point of doing that? I mean, if you, get, if you give your life to Christ and you get baptized in water, you're saved, you're done. What, what, what else do we need? Well, later on it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, what does it say? What does it say? Witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, here's the thing. God has a job for us. Once you commit your life to Christ, you're baptized and all that stuff, why don't we just all drop dead and go to heaven then? I'll tell you why. Because there are still those who do not know about Christ, right? They can't go before God because if they do go before God, they're going to be judged. They have to be measured by His holiness. They're not ready to be in front of God. And so therefore, it's our job to tell them about Christ and to compel them towards Him. And so we are still here because we still have work to do for the sake of the kingdom of God. Are you follow me so far? Shout out amen if you follow me so far. You have work to do. You've got a job to do. The problem I believe is this, is that you can't do it. I can't do what I do. I'm actually, believe it or not, most people don't believe this. I'm naturally an introvert. I'm actually not a people person at heart. I've just learned how to be a people person, and I believe that I have learned to take on my purpose in life. And we talked about the four things last month that we want for you. Number one is to know God. Number two is to know freedom in your life, in your mind, your body, and your soul. Number three is that you would know the body of Christ because that's who God died for. And then number four is to know your purpose. And our purpose is something that gives us a transcendence in our lives. It's something that makes us rise above ourselves and rise above all the other problems and challenges we have in our lives. And it helps us to become who God has designed us to be. But oftentimes we don't know how to do it. We have the challenge of embarrassment or fear and we don't know how to go about doing it. And we, and we, just, we just don't want to, you know, maybe I don't know how to do it. I see other people doing it and I think I should do it, but I don't know how to do it. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is for. So once, oftentimes I've often wondered is why then didn't Jesus, why didn't God just give us the Holy Spirit when we got baptized or when I gave my life to Christ? Why, why would it have to be something that's separate? This is the reason why I believe it, right? Whether, whether you agree with it or not. It's simply because of this. 
you have to know that there's nothing you can do to inherit salvation. It's a free gift. It's separate from the power that would come through the Holy Spirit because you have to know that I don't own this. There was nothing I did to try and achieve this power. So how does the Holy Spirit manifest? What does he look like? How, why does he even need me? I know the whole witnessing thing, but surely he can just do it by himself. Well, the best way I've ever heard or understood how, why the Holy Spirit needs us is because I believe that people need a vessel to receive the Holy Spirit. Other people who have not accepted Christ, they need a vessel to be able to receive. How's that, how does that work? Well, think of it like this. You know when you get on the phone and you go like, uh, hi, hi there, is this 1-800-2727 Papa John's? And they go, yes, it is. And I'm like, great, can I order myself a super mucho meat, please, right? To have a big meat pie or whatever you call it. What do they call it? Meat feast, that's right. Can you give me the, oh, that was the, that was the, never mind. Um, Give me the meat feast, please. And you get the meat feast and you say super size and give me that delicious pixie dust called uh, uh, butter sauce as well, please. And that comes with it as well. And then when the guy comes up to your door, he rings the doorbell, ding dong, you come to the door. Imagine if he was there and he had the pizza in his hand and there was no box. You would open the door and go, what are you doing? If you ordered a mucho meat pizza, we heard you. There's the pizza. It's for you. It's just like dripping with stringy soft cheese. Some of you are going to bite pizza after this, aren't you? It's just dripping with stringy soft cheese. You're looking at it and go, that's delicious. And they're like, here's the pixie dust butter sauce for you as well. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm sorry. Where's the pizza box? Well, you don't want the pizza box. You don't need to eat that, do you? You're not eating the pizza box. You're just eating the pizza and the pixie dust mucho sauce, right? So don't worry about it. There's the pizza right there. And it's okay. My wife always told me, I mean, to do the little spritzy, squitzy stuff, stuff on your hands. They're really clean, so don't worry about it. There's the pizza on my hand. Just take the pizza. You're still going to go, thanks very much. No, thank you. And close the door on the person. Why? Because there's no pizza box. But what are you going to do with the pizza box? You're going to throw it away afterwards. Nobody wants the pizza box, but they're not going to receive the pizza without the pizza box. The same is true, I believe, in this life, that people can't receive what God wants to do in their life. They can't receive the power of the Spirit to heal their lives, to heal their hearts, to change their, their perspective. They can't receive that unless it's actually already in a pizza box. This is why you have to understand that it's not about you, that even though you might bring joy to someone else, you might be the one who prays for someone else and they get healed. And someone had done that with me a couple of months ago and they said, you prayed for me years ago for cancer and I got healed for cancer right after you prayed for me. And, I, and he said, you healed me. And I went, whoa, I'm just a pizza box, brother. I am, not, I am not the pizza here whatsoever. And he gave me a dog look like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I understand, it's, 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 you have to understand that this is, not about you, but this is about the power of the Spirit, but the power of the Spirit still needs a vessel, and you're the vessel. Hello. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching 20% better than that. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one last example here. In Acts chapter 8, verses 5, and I'm going to compress it down to a few verses here. Philip was one of the disciples, and it says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. But when they, what does the word say? Believe, first baptism, first immersion into the belief, into the following of Jesus Christ. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were, what does the word say? Baptized, that's the water baptism 
both men and women. It carries on when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they had arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What it's saying here is even the early apostles believed that you needed all three. <clears throat> and this is important for us to understand. In fact, John, one of the closest disciples to, to uh, Jesus, he said this, for there are three that testify. Look at the word testify. Why did Jesus give us the power of the Holy Spirit? To become his witnesses. There are three that testify. That's the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three are in agreement. What are that? The Spirit, we just talked about, the Holy Spirit, the water, that's water baptism, the blood that speaks of the cross of Christ. It talks about the body of Christ given for us. We are now the body of Christ. All of those things must agree together. Listen, some of you have struggled with trying to walk out your faith. You're just trying to do the right things and live righteously, and you're struggling with just your faith, never mind telling anybody else about it. That's where the power of the Spirit is meant to be activated in your life. But then there's a place where you're meant to be a public witness. You're meant to share those things. Some of you have been called to be a small group leader. Some of you have been called to, you know, to, 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 to pray for your neighbor or to do something that is activated in your life for the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, you can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. You need something that is what I call a wind in your sails. Because this is essentially what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the word for the Holy Spirit was ruach, which means wind. In the New Testament, it's pneumos, which means breath, right? And so wind and breath are, are kind of synonymous with each other. And it's like when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, you have a breath of life and you have wind to your sails. You're just carried to do things that are actually beyond your personality, Sometimes you can go, well, that's not what I do. It's not my personality. Listen, you're not meant to live to your personality. You're meant to live in the Spirit of God. The Bible doesn't say, what, what's your personality? What's your personality? Oh, yeah, you don't like being with people? Well, I understand, but maybe you won't do that part. No, 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 no. We don't live to our personality. It's good to understand that, to see what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are, but we live to the Spirit of God, not to yourself, but to the Spirit. What does the Spirit want you to do? What is He calling you to do? When I was young, I, uh, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Now, I'll be honest, this is the last thing I wanted to do was be, to be a pastor because I saw my dad uh, being a pastor and I saw sometimes, you know, you, sometimes as a pastor's kid, you see the worst side of uh, pastoring because you can see how your parents get treated sometimes. And I didn't like the idea, and I, I don't want to do anything to do with it. And plus, I wasn't that proud of coming from a Christian church, especially since my dad had a, a very kind of uh, evangelical, charismatic type of church. It was very different for those days. And, um, and I remember going to school, and I hated it if anyone knew that I was a Christian or my, my dad was a, a pastor. And I'm like, I just try and shrink away, and I didn't want anyone to know because it wasn't the cool thing. It wasn't a cool thing to, to be a pastor's kid. But when I became a teenager, something started to change within me. And the reason why I'm telling this story is because I want you to understand it's not a, necessarily a, a one moment where you can say, oh, that's when I got baptized in the Spirit and suddenly I had everything I needed in the Spirit. No, it's something I believe that begins and then it grows, at least as that's what it did for me. And when I was a teenager, I, I, I started just having a passion for, for, the, for the Word of God. And I heard this, this theologian that was... Um, 
uh, speaking, and, uh, and I used to get his tapes, right? Oh, that's, that's right, children. Okay, tapes are like this big, and they've got two little holes, and we put them in, you're like, you have no clue what that is, right? So I used to get a tapes, and I get his tapes mail-ordered in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the mail, and then I would get there, and I'd put them in, and my friend would be there, and we'd just kind of lie in bed, and we'd listen to it. i go, that's amazing. Did you hear what he said about the Trinity of Jesus Christ? Isn't that amazing? we start discussing it. That's how much of a nerd I was. But when you have a passion for it, you can't stop it, because it's making your mind come alive. The other, the other sign that I started to see in my life that something was changing, and I can only really understand it in hindsight, was I had this deep desire for worship. I, I wanted to play music, and, and at 16 years old, I, I suddenly wanted to play guitar, and I got guitar, and I played three chords, and I thought I was, I was rock and roll right there, and, and I had three chords, and I'm playing, and then, of course, the children's church, they find out that you can play guitar, and they're like, oh, you can play guitar? Come to children's church and play. And I'm like, yeah! So I turned up, but the problem is with children is that they tell you exactly how they feel if you're not that good, you know, like, and they'll, they'll stand there, and they'll go, Jesus, love is very, oh, this is wonderful, boring, right? And the kids start reacting, you're like, oh, change the song, change the song. It's great training for worship, uh, worship uh, leading, us for sure. But I had this desire to do it. I was getting rejected from children. How bad were you when the children are rejecting you? You must suck, sucketh. Sorry, that's the Christian way of saying it. You must sucketh in the name of Jesus, right? And, and, uh, and, and, and so I'm, I'm playing in front of these children, but something inside of me just desired to still play, to worship and to do this stuff. And I, had a des- I even went to, uh, there was, a, a, there was a, a, a kind of a Bible teaching theology class at, at my church. And, and sometimes I was the only one that turned up I was the only one that turned up and I didn't care because I had such a desire to receive the word of God, to receive the spirit. Something had changed inside of me and it didn't mean that I was speaking another language straight away. It didn't mean that I was, I was, I was raising my hands or I was, I was charismatic or I was outward or like that. Just something inside had changed. And this is something I want you to know. That when you're filled with the Spirit, it compels you to do things that you wouldn't normally or naturally do. Hello, Christians. And it will always manifest in love. Not the, not the touchy-feely love, like, like I just like really love you. Not that type of love, but a love and a passion for people that you would never have truly liked in the first place. A love for people that, that inside of you, sometimes you're around someone else and you just feel this deep love for them and you just want to tell them they love you. And that's one of the worst things for me because I'm from the frozen chosen in Scotland, right? We're not the type of people that are huggy, feely, touchy, feely type of people. We don't go around telling each other that we love them. But suddenly that type of thing starts to happen inside of me. And sometimes I'm with other people and I have this deep love for them. And all I want to do is say, I really love you. And you just don't know how to get it out because you're like, I've got this hard exterior pizza box that won't open up, right? But, but something inside of you is saying, I just want to love you. Maybe it's not someone that you know. Maybe it is someone that you know, but you just feel it deep inside. That's the power and the presence of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who it is inside of you. It manifests to the point where you start saying things that you didn't mean to say, but they are love, they are peace, they are hope, they are joy, and they're coming out and you're just saying it. Some people, they, they call it in the, in the New Testament, they call it tongues, where you're speaking in a different language and you don't understand it. If you don't do that and can't do it, don't worry about it, because if the Spirit does want to do it, He's going to do it, whether you like it or not. 
And Pastor Mark said it. He said, sometimes you just have to use up the words that you already have. And if you're not using the English words that you have, then don't expect that it's going to go anywhere else. Use what you've got. Get it out of your mouth. Say it to your wife. Say it to your husband. Say it to your children. Say it to the people around you because the word is powerful. We're looking to, come on, 20% better. We're often looking for miracles to happen when the miracle is actually in our mouth. There's the overflow right there. It's time to be immersed in the spirit and not just have a little bit of it inside of ourselves. It's time to be overflowing with the spirit. Here's the question then, how do you get it? I'll tell you how you get it. Jesus said this, if you then though you're evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to who... What does it say? To ask him. He'll give it to those who ask him. That's as easy as it is. There's no trickery to this. There's no special formula. He's just got to ask for it. So let's, let's do something right now. I'm going to get them to do special music so it just makes the atmosphere, you know. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And for any of you who want to give your life to Christ, I'm going to just say a prayer. And you can say it in your heart. You can say it in your mind. Say it where you are. And then we'll move on to the next thing. Here we go, here we go. Close your eyes right now. If something is sparking inside of you right now and you know you need Christ in your life, I want you to repeat after me, either with your mouth or with your heart right now. Father, I'm so grateful for what you've given me because I am a sinner and I can see that I need you. And so I'm accepting what your son has done for me. Where he took my place for my sins. And Father, right now, I receive your son. And I choose to repent and follow him. And if you said that prayer, just, just if you, if you want to identify yourself by putting your hand up, put your hand up. Excellent. Father, I want to thank you for these people who put their hand up to say, I'm, 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 I'm yours. But for any of you that want to receive the Holy Spirit this morning, I want, you to, I want you to just boldly receive it and just repeat after me a prayer. It's very, very simple. That's all it takes. You're just giving him an invitation. We're asking our dad to give us a gift who wants to give us the gift. And all we're doing is we're saying, you now have free reign in me. I'm now baptized in you, fully immersed in the Spirit. Now take over from the inside to the outside. Here we go. Father in heaven, your son told us that all we have to do is to ask you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I'm making an invitation to come into my life so that I can be fully in the Spirit. And I pray that you'd baptize me now in the name of your son and empower me to do what you've called me to do. Fill me with your spirit now, I pray. I want you to take a deep breath in and breathe it out. Receive the spirit of God. Take a deep breath in. Receive the spirit of God and breathe out. Last time, take a deep breath in. Receive the spirit of God and breathe out. Expect that your life will change from this day forward. Expect that a passion will grow inside of you. 
that something is going to happen that's going to give you a wind to your sails, a power to your words, a softness to your heart. May God bless you and keep you and keep his face to shine upon you.